Thanks for listening to the Art Tactic Podcast. I'm Adam Green. In this week's episode, we're joined by Serge Tiroch, co-founder of Art Vantage, an art investment fund focused on contemporary art from emerging markets. Serge, it's great having you on. How have you been? I've been great. Thanks uh, for having me again, Adam. Absolutely. You launched your fund in, I believe, around 2011. What can you tell us about the performance of your fund to date? Uh, we just had our uh, full-year valuation uh, by Philips Auction House this year, and as of the end of 2016, since inception in February 2011, uh, the fund is up uh, almost 19% uh, net to investors, uh, which is okay, not amazing, obviously. That's uh, about you know three, three and a half percent annualized which is better than uh, zero, I guess, but um, we're expecting better um, than this when the fund uh, matures, obviously. Uh, you, need, you really need to get into the mechanics of how the valuation is done in order to understand um, the returns. I think what's uh, interesting to, to look at is uh, our realized portfolio, um, which uh, gives you a more accurate, I guess, uh, sample of the types of investments we make. Uh, and if uh, you look at our realized portfolio to date, we've actually sold 41 artworks um, for a total of uh, over $5.5 million. Uh, our fund, by the way, is approximately $20 million, so that's a substantial sample. Um, and those works um, achieved on average in a, a gross IRR of 25%, so an annualized return of 25% before management fees and uh, performance fees and storage, etc. But uh, that's still 25% on invested capital annualized. Um, and uh, actually, what's interesting to note as well is that um, that. Uh, value realized is was on average almost 17% above our carried book values for those works, which points to the fact that our valuation is conservative consistently. And uh, that's uh, by design, not by coincidence. Uh, we choose to value our collection using uh, auction houses rather than you know insurance companies or uh, external valuers because we want the the valuations to be conservative. So uh, all this is to say that um, return uh, can only be measured really and truly when we uh, liquidate all the artworks in about five years from now. As we said, you're focused on contemporary art from emerging art markets. A lot has changed today in terms of the evolution of some of these art markets since 2011. How has the development of these markets impacted your ability to purchase opportunistically for the fund? Are things easier or more difficult for you in these emerging art markets today? Well, there's certainly more uh, interest in, in those markets and, um, you know, sometimes more competition. But I think we, um, as, as a collection, have, you know, built a certain reputation and uh, long-standing relationships with galleries that are, you know, very positive and very strong. So we do get access to, you know, excellent works and, um, uh, you know, we get generally nice discounts, better discounts that, than I guess a private collector can get uh, and good terms. So 
I think we 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 have the ability to to acquire works uh, very effectively. Um, the thing is, we've just um, I think this is a question you'll ask a bit later on, but we've just moved phase uh, in the fund, so we're not really acquiring very much work at the moment. Yeah, tell us about that phase. I know in a recent newsletter to investors, you indicated the fund had transitioned into a holding and consolidation period. What does that mean exactly, and what are your plans for the fund during this period? Yes, yeah, so um, the fund uh, was a 10-year fund when we started it in 2002. It remains a 10-year fund. It matures in February 2000, and uh, sorry, two, we started in 2012. It matures in 2022. Um, and the first five years were, were termed the investment period, which was the time where we actually raised capital and built up our collections. We have six uh, collections that make part of the overall Tiroche de Leon collection, and those are regional collections, uh, the largest of which is the Far East collection, which is principally China and Korea. Uh, the second largest is our South Asian co- collection, which is approximately half India and the other half the other Southern Asian uh, art markets like Indonesia, Singapore, Thailand, etc., Philippines. Uh, then we have our Latin American uh, portfolio, which is approximately 21% uh, of our uh, assets. And uh, after that, uh, we have Africa, which is approximately 15%. Uh, and then the Far East and uh, Eastern Europe and Russia, which are each approximately 5%. So that's the allocation uh, between uh, regions. The first five years were the investment period where we've built up those collections. And um, now we're entering a phase, which is the holding and consolidation phase, where we actually try to um, basically, we've collected 450 works, and now we want to focus on keeping only the best works of the collection over the next three years and promote those works actively through our lending program by initiating our own exhibitions, uh, by being more active um, uh, virally on internet, um, by um, actually creating exhibitions that are uh, centered on works from the collection, so actually exhibitions that we initiate. Uh, and we're also considering um, publications um, as a possibility for the future. So over the next three years, which is what we call the holding and consolidation period, we are starting to sell the less important works in the collection and to focus the collection on probably uh, three geographic regions and um, sell off the the other regions. So the the regions where we have built a significant collection which is worth keeping together and promoting uh, would be the Far East, uh, the Latin America and the Southern South Asia and Africa to a certain extent. Um, Certainly, uh, the Middle East and Eastern Europe are not significant collections by any means, and also those markets seem to be less potential, seem to hold less potential in the next coming uh, few years from an investment standpoint. So those are the markets that we will seek to reduce our exposure in over the next three years. And like I said, in the other markets, um, build value for the more important works. What's a lesson or two you've learned from managing an art investment fund that you think uh, our audience should know? Maybe they have some preconceived notions about managing art investment funds based on what they've read in the media. 
One of the biggest challenges of art funds and the reason why many of them have failed is uh, valuations, obviously. I mean, it's no secret. Valuing art is, is uh, an art rather than a science in the first place. Uh, and providing um, a level of uh, transparency and liquidity in the fund requires um, some kind of valuation for investors to feel more more confident. So that is always the challenge, to find the right mechanism to to value uh, an art fund on an ongoing basis, uh, which is, um, you know, realistic. Um, and I think in a way we've, we've managed to do that. You know, it's not a perfect science, like I said, and the valuations only serve to, you know, give some visibility, but they're not an accurate valuation like you would have for a stock fund or 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 a bond fund, you know, uh, because there's no liquidity, because um, the valuation methodology is very different uh, and is subjective at the end of the day and very much dependent on the valuer's uh, mood on the day he or she does the valuation and how confident they feel about a certain artist or a certain market. So um, that is the one of the biggest challenges, and I can't see a way around that. I mean, that's something that people will need. It's like a private equity fund. You know, you, you, you also use all kinds of assumptions when you do valuations, which are not the science, and part of the valuation uh, process is actually an art and making and taking some assumptions. And I think what we've managed to do is to make sure we choose conservative valuers so that our valuation is is um, fairly realistic and always on the conservative side. And we've proven that is the case by looking at our realizations, as discussed earlier, which on average are 16.6% above our uh, holding values for those works at the time of the sale. So we are maintaining conservative valuations and we are producing a monthly NAV. Um, and there's a whole uh, methodology behind doing that. I won't get into that in this call. It's too complicated. But if anyone is interested, uh, I'm always happy to share my experiences around that. So uh, to answer your questions, valuation is key. And I think that's something we've, we've, we've done quite well. Uh, the other thing, you know, we wanted our collection to be significant uh, because we saw um, a lot of value in promoting the works through loans to museums and so on, which led us to um, decisions about what works we buy. And we've always tried to buy very significant works, which often are also very large-scale works and installation works. And one of the issues there is that there's a holding cost, which is much more significant than if you were only to do a fund around paintings. We realize that you know the, the cost of storage are continuously uh, moving up, um, the logistics around managing complex artworks like that are are, are complicated and costly, uh, which is why we've you know ended up through this whole uh, process learning about the logistics industry and actually setting up um, a, a logistics startup called Art Runners, which this is not the time to talk about, but another time with pleasure. Uh, which is going to uh, try and help overall in the industry re reduce and make more effective our, our our logistics costs. That's one of the challenges of an art fund as well, especially and of a private collection, especially if you're buying ambitious museum quality large scale works. And part of our collection is 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 uh, in those types of works. I mean, actually, in percentage terms, installation accounts for 15% of the value of our collection just to give you a statistic.
And based on your experiences, are investors becoming more open to investing in something as esoteric as an art investment fund, or do you think this will always remain a niche industry? I think um, as a fund, uh, you know, the industry will find its day in the limelight. Uh, it may take, you know, um, I don't know, another five, ten, fifteen years to to do this. I think we've we've demonstrated in a way that there that um, there is um, a way to create a fund that is synergetic with other players in the industry and is not um, something that's frowned upon uh, even when you're dealing with living artists in contemporary art markets you can create a fund um, that adds value to the art ecosystem, uh, A, by bringing in new capital, B, by supporting truly the artists and gallery communities, C, by bringing artworks to the public's attention and by lending works, um, and D, by, you know, um, doing things like we do, which, you know, really are, are, are there to promote younger artists and to introduce artists to, to galleries and, and create interesting dialogues um, through things like our residency program and exhibitions that we initiate. So I think what we've done is to prove that there's a way to do this um, in a synergetic manner uh, where we actually grow the pie and we're not, uh, you know, flipping art, and we're not only uh, in this uh, for financial return, but actually with a, with a true heart and soul. So in a way, uh, it's a very different fund, and I think uh, fund from what has been around previously, and I think this is the way for the future, and the question is, you know, before it becomes uh, a more uh, broader success story, I think the challenge is to find the right distribution partner. What we have not been able to do is distribute our story to financial investors around the world. I think we need to, our challenge will be, you know, if we want to do a second fund would be to find uh, the right partner who understands the product, who sees the benefit it brings to investors, which are not just, you know, diversification benefits that are financial in nature, but also lifestyle benefits, educational benefits, social benefits, uh, et cetera, et cetera, and find the right partner who can distribute that to, you know, uh, families and even institutional investors who, who, who seek to have that kind of social impact as, as their, as part of their investment strategy. Um, and you know, the types of partners we're thinking about are, you know, uh, private banks. Um, I don't think the big major private banks uh, would jump in at this stage, but perhaps smaller boutique private banks that want a product that differentiates them from competition, uh, or it could be, you know, large-scale uh, multifamily offices um, around the world. Um, and that's, you know, that's our challenge to find to find that right partner because the product we've developed, I think, is a very good product, uh, which makes a lot of sense. It's just about distribution, and if we're able to find the right distribution partner, I think, um, you know, this could be uh, a bigger story than, than it is um, to date. Serge, thanks so much for coming on the podcast and updating us on Art Vantage, as well as sharing your general thoughts about the art investment fund industry. If our listeners want to learn more about Art Vantage, is there a website they can visit? Yes, certainly. Uh, www.tiroche.com. 
T-I-R-O-C-H-E, De Leon, D-E-L-E-O-N, in one word, dot com. Perfect. Serge, thanks so much again. We appreciate it. Thank you, Adam. Good talking to you.